uh, being um, audacious and maybe other worse things, uh, I'm going to try to do gladness, love, and peace in the next two and a half hours. Now, obviously, talk about cliff notes, uh, this is going to be very summary and just sort of a taste of practices we can do to ground more in the responsive mode with regard to these three systems. So gladness has to do with the approaching system, approaching rewards, getting carrots of various kinds and so forth. All right? Okay. So, um, and again, just to reiterate, if you want the slides for this, uh, leave your name and email address over there by the Donna basket, and um, I'll send these to you, and you can go back over them. Okay. So with regard to gladness, these are some of the things we can be glad about and I'll be swinging back to this list. This list is not exhaustive. Uh, you may well want to have your own list, but it's interesting to think about things in different categories. One is just ordinary pleasures of life. Like, um, yeah, food was, I had a nice lunch. They, they gave me some of the retreat food. It tasted really nice. Um, that was great. I was glad about that. I walked out, I looked at the hills, I went, wow, you know. See? All kinds of pleasures of life, large and small, are opportunities for gladness, for um, feeling fulfilled, for feeling like approaching has fulfilled itself. Right? Things accomplished. Think of all the things that you've done or do every day, including lessons learned, right? uh, goals attained, things done, you know, laundry completed. I'm thinking of dishes I did this morning. Uh, my wife does uh, too many dishes. I started, you know, doing more. So dishes, good, done. Good conditions, not dead yet, right? <laughs> Family, friends, aspirin, ESPN. I like ESPN. Um, you know, ice boxes. I think about the mark of being a Roman emperor back in the day was that you could have ice delivered to you. You had to be an emperor to get ice brought to you. These days we just pop open the fridge, right? Wow, thank you. Things you're grateful for, things that have been given to you, you know, blessings from others, generosity, uh, amazing stuff. You know, depending on your nature and how much of a nerd you are, uh, things like this might be something you feel grateful for. For example, if you don't mind, um, take a breath. Good. Tap your teeth. Great. Find some metal on your ring or look around the computer. All that, the oxygen in the air, the iron in the blood that transports oxygen, calcium in our teeth, any other metal, it's all stardust. It's all born in the heart of a star, usually an exploding supernova, because stars basically make bigger atoms. When the early universe formed 13.5, 13.7 billion years ago, there was nothing bigger basically than hydrogen and helium. Right? We're stardust. I mean, oxygen, amazing. Calcium, carbon, all born inside a star. I, I'll eat dinner sometimes or whatever. I'll lift a fork, I'll go, wow, thank you. You know, many kinds of things to be grateful for. Right? Recognizing your own good qualities, that's a very important one. Right? To recognize without a halo, no halo required. Basic qualities of fortitude, fair play, you know, grit, determination, um, basic decency. Uh, think about a chance to practice. You know, it is said traditionally that having a human life is a wonderful thing because you're um, 
we are developed enough compared to rats and squirrels that we have much more capability for spiritual practice, but we're not so evolved floating around in some blue bliss realm that we're unmotivated, right? So in this purgatory that is, you know, the human life, as it were, we're suffering enough to motivate ourselves and evolved enough to do something with that, right? Or, gosh, being able to hear teachings of various kinds. We also live in a time, when you think about the kind of work people had to go through to access deep teachings, just walk into the Spirit Rock bookstore. There's more wisdom in that room from so many traditions than was available, you know, almost anywhere in the world 50 years ago, let alone 150 years ago. And then last, perhaps, you might have a sense of something transcendental, if that's meaningful to you. Maybe a sense of the universe altogether, the amazingness of it. You know, it's basically arbitrary. The universe is held together physically by a handful of constants, like Planck's constant and a few other constants, that are totally arbitrary, as best scientists can tell. Yet if these constants, like, you know, some number times 10 to the minus 23rd, were off by an order of magnitude either way, like 10 to the minus 22nd or 10 to the minus 24th for Planck's constant that has to do with holding atoms together. Nothing bigger than hydrogen or helium could exist in the whole universe and thus no life, right? These seemingly completely arbitrary constants enable us to be here today. Wow. Maybe we just got really lucky, you know, to be born into the one universe that had the constants that way. Maybe something mysteriously divine was planning out the universe this way. Whatever it is, here we are. Maybe that will take you to that last one. Or you might have some sense of spirit, the ground, Buddha nature, the divine. Okay. These are opportunities for gladness. How, many, how often do we make use of all these opportunities every day? Yeah. It's like we live in a you know, like kid in a candy store. We're living in a gladness realm. So many opportunities. Now, to make a difference, and I'm going to swing back to this list as we do a practice, just having positive experiences is not enough because of the negativity bias of the brain. To transfer positive experiences from short-term memory buffers to long-term storage in emotional memory, or what's called implicit memory, unless it's a really intense million-dollar moment or something very novel, Basically, we really need to stay with it. We need to practice with these positive experiences. We need to engage them. And that takes us to the three steps of taking in the good. Right? I did not invent these steps. I've kind of unpacked them. They're often implicit in various therapies or practices. Uh, but they, to me, are the three fundamental steps whereby we deliberately internalize positive experiences. The first step is to let a good fact become a good experience. That's the hardest step for people sometimes. When you start consciously trying to take in the good or work with clients about taking in the good, quite often the first thing you hit is the obstruction. You hit the fact that surprisingly oneself or others has a hard time feeling basically okay about anything, basically good. It's hard to have a positive experience of much any kind. There's a recognition of a good fact. People are not psychotic or demented. They know there's a good fact, but they don't feel anything as a result. The needle does not move. Maybe because a person is afraid to feel good, because that's when you lower your guard and they really get you. Or maybe it would feel disloyal, because you grew up and your mom, your dad, whatever, was depressed. 
Or maybe you had a sibling who was really sick or disabled and it felt disloyal somehow to, be, to feel good. Or maybe when you were a child and felt really good and got exuberant, bam, that's when you got punished. Or maybe it just you grew up in a culture where being caught feeling good was seen as vain or sinful. Whatever the reasons might be, those obstruct the movement into a positive experience, which is very important for developing resources inside oneself, for developing positive qualities inside oneself. All right? So the first step is to let a good fact become a good experience. It's a mindfulness practice. And then the second step is a kind of mini-concentration practice. It's a mini-samadhi practice where for 10, 20, 30 seconds in a row or longer, we really stay with. We become absorbed in. It's a concentration practice. We become absorbed in renouncing everything else. We become absorbed in this positive experience. We get all those neurons firing together so they, uh, so they wire together. Basically, as any school teacher knows, the longer uh, you're aware of something, the more intense it is, and the more whole body it's experienced as, the deeper the trace in memory. Okay? So in the second step, we just kind of hang out with it. We open to it. We relish it. We give over to it. We sink into the positive experience. Okay? And then in the third step, we prime memory systems by sensing and intending that this good experience is sinking in. Those are the three steps of taking the good. Any questions about how to do these steps? And then I'll walk you through them a number of times with that list of things to be glad about. Oh, yeah, it's classic. A long time ago, I did kundalini yoga, um, which is a really intense yoga and can be very blissful. And I had a good teacher who who recognized a junkie in training. And he said, don't get too attached to the bliss. So your point's very well taken, and it's traditional advice. Um, I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of different kinds of traditional advice about it, some of which can be applied to these extreme bliss states known as the jhanas, these four states that comprise right concentration, which is one of the eight elements of the Eightfold Path. And um, basically what we are to do, of course, is to recognize that even the most wonderful, happy state is impermanent. It's caused by conditions, so it does not have any absolute existence. And if we cling to it, we'll suffer. Right? So there's, there's part of that. Um, I think there's another part of it, because I think about how to help the brain not do its, its you know, clinging thing. And something that undermines craving and clinging, this is kind of a, to me, a neurologically informed detail, is when we tend to crave or cling to something, we develop tunnel vision about it. Right? We go into it. We don't notice anything else. One way to help ourselves is to open out into a wider frame. So we're having this powerful experience, this positive experience, but we're having it in a very wide frame that's aware of other things and in particular is aware of the field of awareness in which this positive experience is arising. <coughs> 
And that kind of wider frame can help undermine, you know, a fixation onto something pleasant. Okay. The other thing is that there's a kind of observing sometimes that even though it's really pleasant, see, this practice is to not attach to it. It's to deliberately um, experience it for half a minute. You know, and then do this a number of times with a number of positive things so that it sinks in. So you don't have to grab for it out there. It becomes more woven into us. It becomes more who we are and where we come from. Okay. Any more about this little procedure? If, how many of you, uh, if, is this the first time you've heard me talk about this? Like, okay, quite a few. Okay, great. This is really important. <laughs> This is like one of the most wonderful things you can do to help change your brain over time. is to look for opportunities half a dozen or more times a day to just register a positive experience. Each one will be fairly trivial, usually, unless it's a million-dollar moment. But gradually over time, 30 seconds by 30 seconds, you will be stitching positive experiences into the fabric of your brain and therefore yourself. As they say in Tibet, if you take care of the minutes, the years will take care of themselves. If we take care of these minutes, boy, the years will really take care of themselves. And for me, it's about justice. A lot of the good things that happen to us in life, we can't possibly earn. All we can be is grateful for them. But a lot of the good things in the life that we have, we've earned. Earned by our own practice, earned by our own work, earned by not making stupid, doing stupid things that took us off the game board of life. You know, I see all kinds of people whose hard work every day prepares a meal, a beautiful meal, right in front of them. And then they start eating it with a toothpick. No, bring a big spoon. Good for you and good for others. Right? Because happy people are good people, as Bertrand Russell said. Okay. So how about we practice with this? Want to try that? And if for any reason, post-lunch, what have you, uh, the energy of focusing on things that you're glad about is not enough to keep you awake. Feel very free to uh, stand up if you like. And you can also do this lying down if you want to, if you can keep paying attention. Okay? So what I'll do is kind of go through this list, partly to get a sense of serving it and maybe open up some experiences with some of the categories here that are not you're not so familiar with. And in the beginning... I will, um, you know, instruct you in a sense with the three steps of taking in the good pretty explicitly. And then as we progress through this list, um, uh, I will offer more and more summary and schematic suggestions. You might explore, too, the idea of doing this with eyes open or closed and see how both work. Most of the time in life when we're going to be taking in the good, our eyes will be open. So being able to really stay with a positive experience with your eyes open, um, that's, a, that's a useful skill. One, okay? Okay, so take a breath and just kind of come into being here with yourself. Okay? And then to start with, think of something that you like a lot. Maybe it's a place, like for me, Tuolumne Meadows, or uh, my cat, I'm kind of free associating here, um, the view out my window, uh, my laptop, whatever. 
nice food, nice people. Think of something that is a pleasure, a basic pleasure, and then allow that good fact to become a good experience right now. Watch the movement from the idea of the good thing to an experience of the good thing. And then in the second step, try to really open up to this enjoyment. Giving your mind over to it and feeling it more and more in your body. It's okay if you like to move on to another uh, thing that uh, uh, you like a lot. Maybe this first one isn't quite moving your needle very much. It's okay. It's also okay to to do this with several things if you like. But in particular, you really want to marinate in a sense of having received a pleasure, received something you like. Maybe it's a meal with good friends or time with your pet, perhaps your cat sitting in your lap. Maybe it's when the Giants won the World Series. And then, as you sink into this positive experience, in the third step, sense that it is sinking into you. You might imagine it coming in like a golden light or a syrup sinking down into you. With kids, I'll talk about putting a jewel in the treasure chest of their heart. Coming in like water into a sponge. However you do this, maybe just knowing that it's moving into you, moving into your face, moving into your back, that this positive experience is coming into you. Notice what it's like altogether to open to a positive experience. It could be a very subtle or mild one. That's just fine. It's pervading you. You're opening to it. See what that's like. Generally in life, you'll do this much more on the fly, more informally, probably more quickly. I'm slowing it down to really help you get a clear sense of each one of these steps. Okay, and I'll keep moving us along. You're welcome to go at your own pace. The next one is things accomplished. Maybe bring to mind something you've completed Recently, it could be a very modest task, like finishing a load of laundry, uh, getting the kids to bed, although that's not always so modest a task. Um, Maybe it could be something bigger, like uh, an an accomplishment in your life, maybe a recent one or, 
or one um, in your past, fairly substantial, completing college perhaps, um, you know, or maybe a lesson learned, you know, an insight you've had. And then in the first step, let that good fact become a good experience. In the second step, really savor this good experience of accomplishment or maybe relief, maybe a sense of worth or healthy pride, satisfaction in accomplishing this goal. All the while, the third step, which overlaps with the second one, sense that this positive experience of accomplishment is sinking into you. Notice the flavor of this good experience. Maybe experiences having to do with um, self-worth, adequacy, sense of your own capabilities. Good things to be glad about. And then moving on to the third category, good conditions. You might bring to mind one or more conditions in your life, like having a roof over your head when many people don't. Things we take for granted often. You know, having um, maybe basic health in your body or parts of your body at least that are healthy. or being fortunate to be born into a country or a race, perhaps, or an economic situation that um, is fortunate compared to others who are unfortunate. Or it's simply the condition that it's springtime that your friends are healthy, your children are alive, if they are, 
or that bad conditions have ended, that you walked away from the train wreck of your childhood maybe, or your last job, last relationship, whatever it is, find a good fact under this category, if you haven't already, or a few good facts, and let them become good experiences. In the second step, opening to gladness about these good conditions. with, in the third step, a sense of this gladness at these good conditions, this happiness or even joy at these good conditions really sinking into you. If you like, as a little experiment here, you could move your awareness fairly briskly through a number of the good conditions in your life these days, with each one prompting a a surge of gladness about that good condition, with with these surges becoming a general experience of gladness at some of the many, many good conditions in your life. Okay, on to the fourth category, things you're grateful for. And these are things that you've been given generously. 
You've been on the receiving end of generosity. Maybe the, the loving generosity of parents or other family members. Um, the, the kindness of people. Teachers, coaches, grandparents. Are things you feel grateful for today? Teachings, the Buddha perhaps. In the first step, letting yourself feel grateful. And then in the second step, really marinating in feelings of gratitude for one or more things. All the while, in the third step, sensing that gratitude is sinking into you. Becoming who you are as a grateful person. Notice how good it feels to be grateful. There can be a nice secondary benefit, frosting on the cake, gladness about gratitude. Then moving on to the next group, recognizing the fact of some of your many positive qualities. Ordinary human qualities like fairness, Curiosity, patience, humor, determination. It's okay if you don't have the whole set. Just one is enough. 
And then finding that fact, explore what it's like to feel good about that quality you have. That's the second step. with a sense in the third step that both your gladness about this good quality and the experience of the good quality itself are really sinking into you. And moving on to the next category, opportunities for practice, spiritual or broadly defined psychological, just opportunities for growth. Those are good facts. Those are opportunities to be glad. So bringing to mind something that's real for you in terms of the opportunity for practice, like your therapist or time on retreat or wisdom streams you've been able to read or listen to as good facts, and then letting yourself be glad about those wisdom resources. Or glad for different settings, like this setting of Spirit Rock or other places that are meaningful sanctuaries or refuges for you. Giving your mind over to this gladness for the chance to practice in the second step, and in the third, sensing that this gladness about practice is really sinking into you. The joy of the chance for growth, sanity, healing, awakening, is really sinking into you.
And then in the last category, something transcendental, whatever that means to you. Could be something about the universe altogether, simply the remarkable fact of the universe existing. Or it might be something spiritual or religious. Whatever it is for you, See what happens when you open to various kinds of positive emotion, including gladness about this fact. And then really savor this gladness and have it sink into you. And then last, open to a general sense and explore and marinate in a general sense of gladness, gratitude, satisfaction, and fulfillment. a sense of being fed. Not grabbing for more. Fine already. maybe becoming a sense of happiness.
And it's fine, of course, to continue feeling glad about things. Any comments or questions or observations related to that practice? Oh, great, thank you. Thanks for pointing her out. Yeah, great, Kate. Uh, It was interesting, it went immediately to bodily sensations. Yeah. Vibration tone was different from it was it was just it was a very interesting thing to notice and it was not a feeling it was just body. So I don't know. Do you work with that? Because I I work with trying to identify feelings and I'm not able to really identify feelings when I'm having them and I can go in my body and experience them as body sensations, but not to translate. Is that something that? I mean, obviously it was a positive experience and I could go mentally and imagine that I was there experiencing it. And then it was still this very rich physical. Yeah, if I, you know, stop me if I don't do justice to what you said. Kate was saying that uh, when she did this process, you know, which had positive qualities to it, the primary, uh, the dominant experience, if that's an okay word, was sensate in the body. And then what, what about that? And I would say that's, I think, very normal and understandable. Some people will go the other way. It'll be almost, it'll be more conceptual, right? But still, it'll go to very pervading feelings of well-being. I mean, essentially what we're doing is we are helping the mind, therefore helping the brain, you know, rest on happiness. And as the mind, your mind takes the shape of what it rests upon, we're resting on various, you know, experiences of mission accomplished in a sense. The approaching system has achieved its aim. So the fact that you felt it in your body actually makes me glad because at the end of the day, the more we can come down into the body, the more oomph there is. That's great. People don't tend to suffer what they think, they suffer what they feel. And they suffer what thinking makes them feel. But the ultimate problem is down here, so the ultimate healing is more down here. Yeah. Yeah, um, right, and I think if I get you right, it, you know, one of the hell realms in Tibetan Buddhism is the land of the hungry ghosts, metaphorically represented as big bellies of appetite, pinhole mouths for the ability of that bottleneck to take it in. And I think that's a lot of modern life. We have, uh, you know, fairly well-to-do people often, you know, who are, just driven, 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 and they're getting all these rewards, and they hardly notice them long enough before they're on to the next thing, right? And uh, so that's, you know, that's problematic. Um, There's also research on the ways in which different systems in the brain drive us towards seeking. We get caught up in seeking or striving. And 
that's really worth being very careful about because we can get caught up in seeking as a me as an end in its own right. You know, yeah, pursue goals. Sometimes they'll take a year or a decade or raise a family. That's two decades right there, pretty much, and then you're still busy. Trust me, twenty-year-old and twenty-three-year-old, um, and. Uh, uh, yeah, and then there's grandchildren, who knew? But anyway, I'm not there yet. I hope to be soon. Uh, a little sooner than my kids would probably prefer. But anyway, not going there. Uh, I'm ready to be a grandparent right wanting before they're ready to be a parent. But anyway, uh, yeah, we have to be kind of careful about that. The endlessness, though, of getting caught up. My, my supervisor, when I was a junior therapist, said a very profound thing one time. He said he thinks the most important word in the English language is meanwhile. Meanwhile, 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 because so much of life is meanwhile. What's the line? Life is what happens to you when you're making other plans. You know, it's meanwhile. So, meanwhile, there you are. Meanwhile, you're stuck in traffic. Wilds. Yeah, wilds. There you are, uh, standing in line at Safeway, and someone's taking forever to manage their credit card transaction, and you just want to punch the buttons for them. But, <laughs> meanwhile, you know? Okay. Maybe one more person or so? Yeah, great. question was noticing some resistance or obstruction in the, medi- in the meditation that I guess made it difficult to just really marinate in or sink into these states, right? And I think first that's actually very normal. And it's sometimes startling for people when they start doing this, how hard it is to really relish for just 30 seconds or a minute or so. Privately, no one needs to know, right? And yet there's something that gets in the way. One thing is natural in that the brain is this enormous network, just associates things. So you start thinking about, you know, things accomplished, you immediately start thinking about everything undone, right? Or goals not attained. Or you go down here, good character traits, right? And you think, well, yeah, but, you know? And that's very normal, we associate to that. That's where I think getting control of that spotlight is a useful metaphor, that we acknowledge, okay, there is this part of the truth, Pause. Fine. I got it. Thank you for sharing. Now over here where it's helpful. So I, that for me is, is useful. Also to notice the not healthy um, resistance to dwelling on the good. You know, like for example, more than is necessary, a fear that if I feel good, I'll lose my edge. Right? Actually, a lot of the people who have great edge, which is to say they're peak performers, they marinate in feeling good, and that's what fuels them you know, a lot. So for me, it's, it's kind of like I don't want to be controlled. I mean, me, as a stubborn guy, I don't want to be controlled by anything. Well, what are the primary factors that control us? Where are they located? Right between the ears. And so I try to pay attention to those factors inside my own head that drag me away from this sort of good place. That's it. I'd say the last thing is, do I, have I felt that I've earned this? Or is it there, and why not take it? No one earns having iron in the blood born inside a 
supernova. I mean, they don't earn that, but thank you. Thank you. I'm kind of happy that little iron carries oxygen so I can breathe. And, you know, how neat. All right, so for me, that's, that's it. Okay. Yeah. I was a little surprised about the permanence of it. You know, I kind of, growing up, I thought if I, if you have so much you get, you have so much to lose. But it's uh, not. You have it, and no one can take that away. Oh. <laughs> Did you say that again, Helga? A little louder for everybody, okay? Well, I'll reset it fast. She said that growing up, one of the obstructions or resistances to appreciating what you have is then you have more to lose, right? But actually, when we appreciate what we have, we see that we have these riches all around us. I think about little stuff, like some nice person put this Donna in my bowl. You had to be like a Mayan emperor, you know, a few hundred years ago to get decent chocolate, right? The richest Napoleon. He maybe had a little chocolate, I don't know, but the... You know, before that, no. Think of all the stuff. You walk into a basic store and you go, oh my God, we're just surrounded by this stuff. It's not going to be taken away from us, let alone the good qualities inside us. It's not going to go anywhere. So yeah, thank you. Yeah. I spend a lot of my day with a 16-month-old, my, my child, and um, it's sometimes hard to take 30 seconds or a minute away from yeah. her. So I'm wondering... Is it possible to make this into a song, or can I be doing this while I'm reading a story? Or is, this, is there somebody to integrate into what I'm Yeah, that's a great question about how to practice in the trenches of real life, in particular in terms of, if I could, taking in the good. How do we, in an ongoing way, savor life? And I relate, I did my dissertation on 15-month-olds, so I know that age really well, and I like that this very neat age, you know, especially. Um, I think Deepama is a great teacher in the Vipassana tradition, had a nice comment on it. People said, I have no time. You know, I'm, I'm a busy householder. I'm a homemaker, let's say. This was the person who was asking her. I have no time for meditating, no time for practice. She said, essentially, do you walk from your kitchen to your bathroom? The person said, yeah, of course. She said, well, you can practice. That's walking meditation. So there's a way, I think, to appreciate the opportunity of almost any activity in daily life that we can practice with it if we just bring a little awareness to it. So when I think about time with children, you know, for one, the truth is there are a lot of times with kids that are aggravating, right? Okay, it's like the dirty secret parents still tend to talk about, <laughs> but, you know, we can admit it, right? Uh, I know you know, I'm just saying for the, for the group. And yet there are tons and tons of times that are so sweet, right? And that's where I had this little voice in my head when my kids were young, remember this, remember this, remember this. Not so much remembering the event, although that's great. You can't remember all the events. But you can take it into implicit memory where you remember, in a broad sense, the experience. The experience sticks to the ribs. And that's why I think trying to stay with a single positive experience 10, 20 seconds in a row is really important. Because if we're having one positive experience after another, and they're changing every few seconds, which is often the way it is when things are even happy with kids or in general, that's neat. But the problem is they don't have enough time to drop down into long-term storage before the next good ex event, next good experience is occurring. It's like good experience switch, new good experience switch, new good experience switch. They don't have time to sift down. It's good experience stay. 10, 20, 30 seconds, 
Now they're dribbling down into long-term storage. So that's what, what I would be thinking about. Um, with older children, I think this practice is very important. And a nice time to do it is just before bed when they'll put up with stuff to keep you in the room longer and extend their bedtime. <laughs> yeah. Okay, maybe one more person, then I'm going to move on. Yeah. Great, thank you. I think the point there is there are many opportunities to feel glad. And um, one of them in particular, just to finish on this section, then we'll take a quick break, is to register insight. When we have insight, you know, in therapy or in life, looking out the window, talking with a friend, meditating, whatever, to really take that extra 30 seconds for it to sink into the ribs, rather than recognizing it, knowing it, and then moving on. In other words, I'm talking here about the importance of really helping the brain register positive experiences. And I think there are many opportunities, whether it's to take a, just a, a minute or two at the end of formal practice, like meditating, or you know, to really take a moment in therapy to register things, or uh, if you're doing some kind of protocol like mindfulness-based stress reduction, MBSR, or a yoga class, or Pilates, or whatever it is, or a conversation with a friend, when there's something good that happens, to take that extra 30 seconds, to not leave any money on the table. In other words, to really, really have it sink in. That's been very important for me in my own personal practice, to take those opportunities to really encourage it to sink in. Okay? So how about we sink into a quick break? All right? I'm going to... And how, can you come back in about 12 minutes at about 20? Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.